Ah, yes, good evening and welcome to episode 14, Keeping It Real with Chuck Ludy and the Big Fella. And I can't believe we've made it to episode 14, but we are there. And uh, looking forward to tonight's episode, all thanks to Clinton Bolsh and the all-new Nissan Warrior. And, uh, well, let's go to the boys. And uh, always great to talk to these two. And uh, I'm going to start off with this one Ah, uh, yes, Timmy Ludeman, we say a very good evening to you. How are you, Timmy? Good, big fella, yourself? I'm going great, mate. Uh, we're going to get back to you shortly because uh, you had a bit of a revelation over these last uh, 48 hours, which I'm looking forward to uh, talking in a little bit more detail. But let's get uh, the other person that's part of this awesome threesome. Well, it's a big show. Oh. <laughs> And Ludy, I've got a feeling that the big show might be a little bit shattered show tonight because uh, he is in lockdown, big fella. We say very good evening to Darren Chuckberry. How are you, Sarks? Uh, good, boys. Very much looking forward to tonight's special guest, one of the great coaches in this country, and I know he's a country boy. And I spent some time down your way last week, boys. I went down with my family just to a little place called Dean's Marsh, just out of Lawn. And uh, it was a fantastic three or four days with the family. But then once I got home, they shut the doors and said, that's it, you're in lockdown. And uh, I can't get out, unfortunately. But uh, on a serious note, uh, to all our listeners, stay safe because this is a very delicate time and unfortunately our state is probably affected more than most which is bloody disappointing. Yeah, no it is. It's, it's shocking times isn't it and unfortunately uh, you know, we've had to go into a, another stage of lockdown here in Victoria we're kind of lucky uh, so to speak in, in country regional areas especially down here in Warrnambool we haven't had to uh, or been affected so much but Timmy Ludeman uh, you've kind of uh, had a little bit of a, uh, a scare in the last couple of days mate Tell us uh, what's actually happened. Uh, just a bit of a false alarm, Shuey. Just started to get a few uh, flu-like symptoms, so I thought I'd best do the right thing um, and get a get a little swab done. And, uh, you know, I went and up the nose and in the throat and gagged and dry reached about 25 times, but we got there and um, come back negative, so happy days. It would have been some worrying times there, though. Uh, you know, like, I know it's all... Uh... You know, I, I suppose we throw a bit of banter around, don't we, at times, and, and you know, throw a bit here and there. But uh, to actually, uh, you know, to go and get the test uh, would have certainly put the wind up you, mate. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, when I started to get a bit snotty and I had a quite, a, quite a nasty cough, actually, which is probably, um, you know, where I was a little bit worried with the cough. But, um, yeah, come back all good, so good to go. Glad it came back negative, big fella. What didn't come back negative, they said you've got a bit of problem with your hair follicles. So they, <laughs> on the testing, they said, well, we can't do much about that. You haven't got COVID. Uh, that's the positive news. The bad news is you've got no hair. <laughs> well, Chuck, if you ever actually have to do a test, they'll have to use a hay bale to shove up that big nose of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask that? A lot of people say the test is really intrusive, uh, Ludie. It's pretty full on, isn't it? I did it myself, so I just had a nurse um, directing me, um, so I actually shoved the, the thing up my nose and in the back of your throat and did it all myself. Um, I didn't find it too bad. Up the nose wasn't, wasn't great, but it didn't hurt or anything like that. In the back of the throat was probably the worst one because it just made you dry reach and um, 
Yeah, that was about it. It wasn't too bad. And I, and I suppose the seriousness of it, uh, you know, like with Basha Hooley coming out uh, tonight and his mum's uh, critical, she's uh, in intensive care, um, you know, and, and he's just imploring his community just to uh, to get tested, you know, for the sake of it. Let's just do it. Yeah, it's a good move, I think. Um, can't, you know, with the amount of testing we're doing, it can't hurt to, to get it done and, and um, clear yourself, I suppose. Um, why not? What about the messages, Ludie? We were copying off our old mate Chuck uh, last week, mate. Geez, he was so keen to get that Nissan Warrior down to Dean's Marsh, big fella, wasn't he? He was uh, pounding us. <laughs> <laughs> he just needed something to go off-road in Dean's Marsh. Unfortunately, <laughs> the BMW or the Audi doesn't go off-road to Chuck. <laughs> Listen, uh, don't talk to me about Warriors tonight, all right? I'll just let you two. I was sort of hoping it's going to be delivered to Lawn. A lot of promises from the big fella. Once again, a lot of false promises. Uh, a bit like, you know, he promised us for a month that he was going to get this our special guest on tonight. And then he rang us and said, oh, he's shark fishing. And then he's feeding the dolphins. And th- then he was bloody doing some work with fine cotton or Bryce cotton. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, and then eventually, big fella, you've finally got the big tuner on the line. Yeah, we have got the big tuner on the line. Have a listen to this. Like, we've got to have an intro song for our special guest tonight. And I found this one on the internet. Have a listen to this, you blokes. It is the Perth Wildcats theme song. Something that. a big fella. There's something about Perth. I thought Fremantle Dockers was bad, but Christ almighty. I mean, what is that? What is that? That is unbelievable. I could not believe it when I stumbled across it. But let's say a very good evening to our special guest tonight, all the way from Perth and WA. We say a very good evening to Trevor Gleeson. How are you, Budza? Well, that's uh, one of the worst introductions I've ever had. I've done a lot of media <laughs> time, but... Uh... <laughs> Is no, that... uh, really good, guys. I know that you uh, you guys are jealous over there. It's uh, not only our weather and our our football teams over here, and then the basketball teams. So. I know there's a lot of envy on that side of the country. Oh, there's some envy, right? Don't worry about that. It's a beautiful part of the world. And, uh, well, you are a five-time championship coach with the Perth Wildcats, mate. Assistant coach with the Australian Boomers. You've coached overseas in Korea and also America. And, uh, well, the first basketballer we have had on our podcast, mate, does that make you feel special, buds? I feel honoured, mate. I feel absolutely honoured. I don't know where this... uh where this podcast will finish up. It certainly started with all all guns blazing, so it uh, should be a fun time. Now, I'm just, I'm just going to give you the heads up, okay, Trev? I've uh, spoke to a couple of your good friends today. Um, I, I, I won't kind of drop too many names, but I reckon you might get a bit of an inkling as to... Uh, you know, who I may have spoke to uh, today with some of the stories that we're going to try and pry out of you tonight. Yeah, well, uh, maybe they're uh, former friends. <laughs> maybe <laughs> we'll find out shortly. Maybe they are. Can you can you just tell? And Chuck and Ludy, not massive basketball followers, but uh, you know, being a Warrnambool boy, mate, uh, I've kind of followed your career really closely over the journey. It's been a magnificent one. One of the greatest sporting exports to come out of our town. I don't say that lightly. Uh, very, very good at the caper, that is for sure. But Budza, tell us about the story. 
at our local abattoirs when you're a young kid uh, back in the late 80s 18 year old you had the world at your feet mate uh, great footballer I think you might have even been leading uh, the old collegians best and fairest uh, before this accident happened uh, can you just tell our listeners what actually happened that day yeah it was uh, at the start of 1988 it was I was uh, working in the abattoirs and it's a killing pen so it's a uh, rectangle and part of the uh, steel gate goes up and the animal drops out after there's been uh, after been uh, shot and uh, this time that the the cow didn't fall outright so I went underneath the door to grab it by its ears and and flick it over and unfortunately when the door went up I went under the cable snapped and came down like a guillotine and uh, almost chopped me in two so I was Pretty lucky the cow's legs were uh, really helped and support, but uh, I remember my uh, chin went to my knee and I was squashed down, and, uh, mate, that was about the end of my sporting career right there and then. So lucky, uh, you know, and, and and you ended up with a broken back out of it, mate, and you were out of action for a, a long period of time. As a young kid who, you know, thought you were invincible, you know, no doubt as an 18, 19-year-old, um, the world kind of was your oyster. What, what were your thoughts, uh, you know, laying back in that hospital bed? Yeah, well, you just, you just think everything's over. I was, you know really active in sport with basketball, football. I played my first senior games as a 16-year-old at Old Collegians. And, you know, I was going on to, you know, bigger and brighter things. When you Then all of a sudden you get laid up. I spent two months in hospital staring at the ceiling. I had a broken back, L4, L5, punctured lung, six broken ribs. You know, I really had to start to walk again. And um, that, that was tough. And it was especially at that age, you're so socially that your mates are playing football and um, you, you, you're missing that part. So really a part of my journey was to really stay involved in sport. And the only way I could do that any longer was through coaching. And uh, as soon as I got to, you know, I had to learn how to walk again, I got really into swimming, long distance swimming, just to get my fitness back up. And But I realised I could never play football or basketball again. Um, that's that's uh, really started my coaching career from then on. Amazing. Chuck, I'm going to throw to you now, big fella. Yeah, I thought it was a bit harsh, uh, big fella, when you said I'm not a basketball fan. I mean, when I was coaching <laughs> South Australia in the cricket, uh, Joey Wright invited me down to watch the Adelaide 36ers against the Perth Wildcats. And I thought I was going to watch Damien Martin, the Australian cricketer, now playing basketball. He's a gun. Perth Wildcats. And I, I turned up and Trevor was pouncing up and down the sidelines. Gee, I, I love his passion. Uh, and I looked at Damien Martin. I thought, that looks nothing like the cricketer that I uh, once played against. So uh, I'll try and straighten up Trev for you for a moment. Um, early memories back at Warrnambool, uh, and I've spoken to a few as well, I've always Everyone said to me that you've never forgotten your roots, which is great because Big Fella's forgotten many of his, but <laughs> you always remember getting back to Warrnambool and, and some of the early days, we just heard the, the, the bad story about your back, but growing up in a country town, I mean, all of us are actually country boys, was it great grounding for where you've gone on to? Yeah, without a question. It's, it's um, you know, from out from West Warrnambool, you had to earn your stripes all the time. Nothing was given to you for free and... I remember playing my first game of senior basketball as a 12-year-old 
And oh, the man. guy I was up against was about 40, and he had a few beers beforehand. <laughs> and I stole, the, I stole the ball off him and gone down to make the layup. And he comes down to court again. And he said, if you ever do that again, I'll give you a backhander. And I just said, oh, yeah, no worries. Sure enough, I stole the ball again, and bang, he gave me the biggest backhand, lifted me off my feet, and I finished in the second row of the stands at Queens Road YMCA. And then it was all on. All the big football players were on. But... Yeah, you had to earn your stripes, mate, and that's that's one thing that you never, um, you know, you never take things for granted. Even that it, we've been very fortunate to win a couple of championships, the hunger's still there, and I know that there's a process that you have to go through to be successful, and you skip those steps, you're in trouble. And Warnable certainly gave you that process all the way through. Mm. Ludi. Uh, Budge, I just want to uh, change the code for a little bit and. Uh, talk a bit of footy. No doubt being a Perth man, you would have been pretty happy with Dom Sheed's goal in 2018 to seal it over Collingwood, who were obviously the most hated team in the comp. (laughs) Be careful here. (laughs) You know I'm a Collingwood fan. I didn't know that actually. (laughs) (laughs) I know you spent a bit of time in in the footy code. I just wanted to ask you about that. Working in particular with Hawthorne under Alistair Clarkson. What are your takeaways from him? Obviously one of the great AFL coaches. Is there something in particular that stood out to you that he did well or, or that you have used in your in your coaching? Yeah, it was a really good time. It was 2013. Uh, I'd just been fired by the Melbourne Tigers. I had new ownership and I was really in between. And I knew that the, some basketball skills are transferred over the football. And I've seen plenty of skills... Uh, you know, the footballers do, and it didn't really compute. You know, it was behind the times. And so I came up with these series of ball handling and hand-eye coordination and, and really uh, reached out to Chris Fagan, was there at the time, and he said, come in for a couple of weeks. Well, actually, a couple of sessions to see how we go. And the boys liked it, and I finished up uh, working twice a week over there, working with them. And, and during that period of time, you had... Clarko was a head coach. You had Simo was an assistant coach. Ratton was assistant coach. Fagan was the head of football. You had, um, you know, Bevo uh, was uh, one of the assistant coaches. You know, you, you just had about five or six assistant coaches. And for me as a coach, you know, it was always my way or the highway. And I, Clarko had a different approach. He, he really gave ownership to the players and the players took ownership. You know, Jordan Lewis, uh, Roughhead, Gibson... Uh, Mitchell, um, you know, Hodge, they really took that ownership of the group and it was a great um, learning part for me that I could watch this professional team develop. They hadn't won it, well, they won one championship and I think 08. That was the first of the three in 13. And it was just good to see how the ownership, how the players stood up. And that was a couple of coaching points that uh, I really took away from that group, and I really installed that the next year when I got over here to the Perth Wildcats. Budzer, I just want to ask, uh, I know you went over to the States uh, when you kind of got yourself back mobile again, and you read up a lot, you know, like you spent your time thinking, right, oh, I'm going to make myself, uh, you know, the best coach I can possibly be, and you, you probably thought you were going to head down that path. Um, can you just uh, share the story uh, with, because uh, you were doing a bit of scouting, I believe, for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, can you just share the story when uh, you went out for a few drinks, I think, with uh, one of your scouting buddies and um, Bill Cartwright, of course, Bulls legend. 
Yeah, well, actually, is it the uh, yeah Chicago Bulls? Uh, Bill Cartwright, uh, you know, he played with uh, Jordan during three championships, the first three, and um, went to the game and the Bulls lost. And I knew the assistant coach there, Bob Thornton, and Bob said, "Do you want to go for a drink after the game?" I said, "Yeah, no worries, mate." So uh, we went to this seedy little blues bar, and he said, "Hey, listen, Bill's going to come in there," and, and I never met Bill before. And, I said, oh, yeah, good one. No worries. So it was just Bob and Bill and first round that um, Bill buys a beer and a shot of whiskey. I said, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and then Bob buys a a, um, a beer and a shot of whiskey. I said, oh, yeah, it's my turn. And Bob grabs me arm and said, just get beers. I said, no, mate. You guys get me a whiskey each. Uh, I'll get you a whiskey. He said, Trev, they're $250 a pop. I said, I'll get some beers, mate. <laughs> and a little birdie told me that, yeah, you just come back to the table with the three beers. <laughs> yeah, just the three beers, mate. That was, uh, yeah, I didn't uh, have much coin back then. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, life of the NBA was a million-dollar paycheck. They can drop that for a uh, shot of bloody whiskey. It was a good whiskey, too. <laughs> So, yeah, the full round didn't happen. I would have got killed at the Max Hotel if I did that. <laughs> Trevor, you might not want to go down this path, given your current status as a highly respected coach, five-time championship winning coach, but we have done our research today, and a little birdie tells me that you may have been asked to leave the States, maybe for not the right reasons. And again, I'll leave it up to you whether you want to reveal the, the photograph or was there a reason why you left the States? No, that was uh, I got a job in South Korea. The, oh, um, was it? Yeah, that was um, you know I got a job with Samsung, so it was really good. I was struggling for a fair while, and Samsung had some good uh, good money, so it was uh, went over there for a couple of years to get the USA um, dollar. But uh, no, I still uh, still go back to the states every year. Actually, this time uh, I'm normally in Vegas. Right now, scouting in the summer league, so it's uh... buying those two hundred and fifty dollar whiskeys now. I'd say, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> can, can I just, well, can I ask right. about South Korea? Because uh, a little birdie also told me that uh, you know it, it was a really wealthy competition over there, and uh, you might have uh, got the knock on the door late at night. Uh, you know, with a little brown paper bag when you won games, but when you lost, you didn't get that little brown paper bag. Is that how payment was over there in South Korea? Yeah, 100%. I remember the first time, it was Sunday night about 10 o'clock at night, and I'm thinking, holy shit, who's knocking at the door? Because all the players and coaches live like in a dormitory uh, system over there. And I went to answer the door, the knock at the door, and there's no one there. And I happened to look down, and there was an envelope down there. I said, what the bloody hell? So I had a look at the envelope, and there's my bonus sitting there, nice and cash. So, uh, <laughs> mate, every time that door knocked, I was out there quicker than lightning trying to uh, trying to get it. But, yeah, look, they look after us straight well in South Korea. Now, that They're sounds straight a bit... To bar, straight to the bar to buy a whiskey. Sounds a bit like you, Chuck, when you're over there. You were morning coaching the IPL. I reckon there would have been a few little brown paper bags dropped at your door. They're very yeah. much so. The only difference was, Stewie, that uh, Warney's brown paper bag was a fair bit fatter than mine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we did have a fair bit of fair bit of fun. Uh, Ludy, back to you. Buzzer, I just uh, wanted to bring up a moment uh, from back in Warnable. I believe you might have had a little backyard cricket mishap at some point. Can you talk us through that one? 
Yeah, I don't know. You might have to remind Kindle uh, the thoughts on this one. I, I I just heard that you might have gone, uh, you know, a little bit uh, keen for a ball, mate, and you might have crashed through one of your mate's old man's oh, uh, windows. Yeah, I did too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, leg gully. I was about 10 cans in, I think, and uh, left hand and uh, got a little bit of speed bubbles and went straight through the window. Um, yeah, no, I was... Uh, yeah, a couple of stitches on the finger, but, you know, you take that up back in the day. It's still, like, looking at it now, there's a nice scar around the tendon. But, uh, yeah, no, I did forget that, Mark. Little war wound. Hey, what about your first job, too, or uh, one, one of your early jobs when you moved up to Queensland? Uh, any truth to the rumour you used to be the other uh, lifeguard at Wet n' Wild? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was my first job up there. That was... Um, I left uh, Warnable, I think it was uh, 92, 93 maybe end of 93, and there yeah, I worked there for a summer, and uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was uh, it was a good uh, good time, actually. I was going to say, surely you've got a funny story being a uh, a lifeguard at Wet n' Wild. Well, it was, you know, we were, we were uh, owned by uh, Warner Brothers that had uh, Movie World, uh, SeaWorld wasn't in it, uh, SeaWorld was in it, sorry, DreamWorld wasn't in it, so the Christmas parties are always good, so... Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time trying to find Catwoman from uh, Movie World and <laughs> and trail that around. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good that uh, you know anywhere you can work you, in the Gold Coast, you, it's a fair bit party time, and you go to work the next day, and you can just jump in and refresh. So that was uh, thank goodness no one drowned on my watch. So that was all right. <laughs> what about that? Uh, as, as you can see, we're very light-hearted with our line of questioning, but just for a moment <laughs> on a serious side of things. Five NBL titles is an unbelievable achievement. Um, the last one, not controversially, but obviously the season didn't end when COVID hit and uh, Sydney Kings and the Perth Wildcats. And I, and I think uh, obviously taking the fifth one in, in those circumstances. But I remember watching you saying that, you know, Perth was the deserving title winner. The question is, when you win five titles, you should be named Coach of the Year. But I did my research and in none of those championship years, you were named Coach of the Year. Who have you pissed off? <laughs> yeah. I, I can't well, believe that. I cannot believe that, though. Seriously, you've only won one in 2011, and in all those championship years, mate, you've never been named Coach of the Year. How does that work? Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, I think the coaches vote, um, and, you know, there's a couple of ones that the that are a little bit shocking. I think, my, you know, I don't think Clarko's won that many at the AFL if he's won anything, and... And then uh, I think Phil Jackson never won the Coach of the Year when Michael Jordan was there. So I think there is a, a perception that, oh, they're, they're good anyway, so he hasn't done a good job of coaching. But, look, I, I don't... Um, that really doesn't worry me. Of course, it's an ego ego pat on the back and whatever. I'd rather have another five rings and no, no Coach of the Year. And mm. uh, we, we talk about here... You build relationships and you win championship rings. So it's rings and relationships that we talk about. It, you know, it, when I'm gone and six foot under, I can pass the, the rings on to my kids, and that's much more important than any individual award. Love it, big fella. Mate, what about one of your good friends? I know you've had a fair bit to do with him over the journey, uh, Luke Longley. Uh, he's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? Yeah, big fella, big Luke. I had uh, three, nearly four years working with him in the national team. And I've got to tell you a, a quick story. that uh, Luke's got an old fishing boat, and it's an old cray, cray boat, and he's done it out. 
um, you know, to suit him, seven foot. So there's higher <laughs> ceilings, there's the benches up high. and So he's just before, the year before the Olympics, and we decided as a coaching staff to get together out at uh, Rottnest Island and Luke's boat for a week and do all our planning for Rio. And, and uh, you know, it was just a, a great, great couple of days. And But what I didn't know, that uh, you know, I went to the toilet to do number twos, and Luke's got the toilet custom made, so I'm sitting there on the toilet, my legs are swinging like uh, Alice in Wonderland. I couldn't touch the ground, get any traction out there at all. It, it's, uh, mate, he said the same at his house. I haven't been the toilet. You can't touch the ground when you're on the toilet. So this, uh, it's a different world where Luke lives in. That is amazing, isn't it? You don't think about it, but I did listen to the Howie Goes podcast with him, and he was talking about, you know, how difficult it is being so tall. Yeah. Yeah, without a question. And he's got everything uh, custom made, which is, uh, you know, suits him down the ground. But the bench, you, you don't, your bench are up near your, over your shoulders. You know, you're trying to cut some prepared dinner and you, you're cutting up high, but it's, uh, you know, he's a good man, Luke. Yeah, and he lives a bit of a recluse kind of life now, doesn't he? There was a lot said, especially with, uh, you know, the Last Dance documentary and, um, you know, there wasn't a lot with Luke in it and stuff. Uh, he just keeps to himself, doesn't he, Trev? Yeah, look, he lives uh, around about, oh, I'm going to say about a thousand kilometres south of Perth, near a place, uh, it, it's called Denmark, near, uh, we're way down, he's got some big property down there, right on the coast, right on the national park, and, you know, he, he's quite happy to go down there and don't see anybody at all, he's got his dogs, he's got his surf, and he's got his boat, and, um, yeah, no, he uh, pops his head up every now and again up to... Uh, up to Perth and we catch up, but uh, yeah, he got likes to keep to himself a fair bit. Now, uh, Chuck's a very good coach, a very good coach at the highest level or one of the highest levels uh, in you know state cricket and also uh, in the you know the IPL and the Big Bash and all that kind of stuff. But Trev, what's it you know like to to get to uh, you know an assistant coach for for a Boomers team? And the other thing that I reckon really stands out with you, mate, is that you know the the league below, which is now I think called the D League in the NBA. You were virtually the first Aussie to become a senior coach of a team over there too. That's a huge achievement. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was basically back in two thousand. We got. Uh, I was with Brisbane, and I was an or development coach, assistant coach, and we got fired. Uh, Eddie Groves took over the team. I don't remember if you remember him. He used to own ABC childcare centres. Um, anyway, it's a big time, and I couldn't really get a job in Australia, so I. I really said, well, bugger it. I said, I'll jump on a plane and just went over to the States and just worked as many camps as I could. And I finished up getting a, a job at Quad City uh, Quad City Thunder in in the CBA. Then the next year, I was over at uh, Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls Skyforce. So I spent three years coaching over at uh, Sioux Falls, and that really was a great, great uh, for my coaching because you have these guys so talented you know, so talented, and they're going up to the NBA, they're coming back, but they've all got something wrong with off-court issues or their ego's not right. So it was really hard to coach them, um, but it certainly gave you that experience of, um, you know, how to handle professional athletes, how to handle difficult types, how to handle, you know, a team first or selfish players in that environment. And it was, uh, I really enjoyed those couple of years. Chuck? 
Yeah, I just want to again staying on the serious note with the with the NBL. I've read recently that Tasmania, Trevor, are going to come back into the competition. Is this good and is it bad? And my second part, it's not a loaded question because I know Larry Kesselman has obviously done a lot of work for the NBL, but also know he might have been involved when you were removed at the Melbourne Tigers. Where do you see the competition at uh, at the moment? And uh, I went and watched a few Melbourne games last year and I thought the standard was really good. Uh, but Tasmania returning, what do you think about that? Yeah, look, I think it's great for a fully national competition. And, um, you know, we went down there last year and played pre-season. We had a good response from the locals. Obviously, the Derwent Centre has to be, um, you know, fixed up and updated yeah. for that. But it's, Australian basketball is strong enough to hold 10 teams. When I first got here, there was 13 teams you know, and then we expanded into Singapore. So um, it kind of contracted for a while back down to eight. I think 10 teams is perfect. Uh, and the competition, it's it's just amazing how good it's got. The last the last year, you know, you're getting some world-class athletes over here and playing and, and Aussies that are, you know, straight out of the NBA coming here to play. It's at the, the level of competition is just rising every single year. And hopefully that, uh, you know, COVID doesn't upset that uh, trajectory of basketball in Australia. Ludie? Uh, last one from me, Budzer. I just wanted to find out what you do to switch off. Obviously, coaching's a pretty tough caper and it takes up a lot of your time and absorbs your emotions and all that sort of stuff. What do you do to switch off? Do you do any weird, obscure hobbies? Or there you go shark you swimming, do? mate. Remember I told yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's one of the best things you can ever do up at Exmouth. Go whale shark, mate. That's uh, I, I was just two weeks ago. That's unbelievable up there. But, you know, over here in Perth, it's probably got the same weather than the Gold Coast, maybe a little bit warmer. Uh, but there's a lot of outdoor stuff that you can do. But, you know, I've got two young kids, um, you know, 10 and, and uh, 11 at the moment. So I really enjoy hanging out with them. And, um, you know, time off, I finish up coaching them in their local competition. But, um, you know, it's a really good time for family. I, I don't really uh, get much. As soon as we get home, it's wind down and, do a bit of cooking, hang out with the kids, see what's going on, and then the next morning, 6 o'clock, you're up again and get at it. And Yeah, so it's a good balance at the moment, and hopefully it stays like that. Beautiful, mate. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we are going to let you go shortly, but before we do, because and I want to let the boys in, it's actually your wedding anniversary with the lovely Dawn. Uh, am I right in saying that uh, tonight, Trev? Yeah, 13 years. We actually got married on Friday the 13th, in Vanuatu, just the two of us. So, Unreal. Um, yeah, it was the uh, superstition, see if it was real or not. And, <laughs> yeah, I've been able to drag her all over the world with me and uh, now I've got a great family and, yeah, it's been a, a great partnership. And after this, we'll certainly crack open a nice bowl of red and um, enjoy the family dinner. Uh, good on you all. Uh, all it. thanks to Clinton Bolsh. And the Nissan Warrior. That's right. They got hey, some listen, cracking... I, I got to get a better song. If I come back on this show, right, you got to get a better song coming on that. Hey, that's the Nissan right. Warrior. That one. That's the. That's our great sponsor, Trev. You'd remember Clinton Bolsh, mate. Great fella down here. Great car salesman. He's got a uh, magnificent uh, motor vehicles. That is for sure. 
Yeah, no worries at all. You can hook me up there when I come back and coach the Warnable Seahawks in the twilight of my career. <laughs> Big fella, I know you gave me the I know you gave me the flick with the Nissan Worry during the week. Have you given me the flick as well with ten with Chuck? No, that's that's what I'm going to now, mate. Ten with Chuck, all thanks to the Nissan Warrior, Chuck. And uh, I'm right. gonna I'm gonna throw to you, Saka. Right, uh, Trevor, this is a very easy little quiz. You know, you've done them before. I'll ask you two names and you just answer the most appropriate or what you think uh, comes to mind first of all for you. I'll start with a very easy one. LeBron or Jordan? Jordan. Yeah, good call, the mate. Whalers, the Whalers or the Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a much better time at the Kelly. Right <laughs> Two ticks for the Kelly, me too. They wouldn't let me in at the Whalers. So. <laughs> no, exactly right. That was too late. <laughs> Here's one that the boys insisted. Uh, Tommy Green or Habba? Yeah, well, they'd have to go Gary Green without a question. <laughs> oh, Gary Green. Take Tommy's brother. <laughs> and a detective too, you bloke. So uh, yeah. we'll leave Gary in there, okay? <laughs> Better place to live, Townsville or Perth? Yeah, no, Perth, hands down. Agreed. Luke Longley or Andrew Bogut? Luke. Warnable Seahawks or the Warnable Mermaids? Oh, Oh, yeah, you're going to kill me, aren't you? (laughs) I'm going to go the Mermaids because I was there the first year. My mother nicknamed the team. We won a championship in the first year. I didn't win a championship with the boys. And actually, Tommy Green's... Uh, sister Michelle was one of the best players I've ever coached, men or women. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going with the Mermaids. Good call, the Mermaids. Buds. Good call, Fantastic. mate. Fantastic. And uh, thoughts? I know your dear mum's not with us, but I know she was a legend down there in Warrnambool doing my research. Here's an easy one: beer, wine, or spirits. I've turned on the wine now. Yeah, so wine. I've ticked Ooh. that box. You've Ooh. changed, Trev. You've changed, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've had a beer right now, so I should be saying beer. I was, I was waiting for him to say $250. I thought you might have had whiskey in there. $250. Uh, this one's for me, Trev, not for you. This one's for me. Julia Roberts or Demi Moore? Julia Roberts. Oh, I'm, Demi, I'm Demi all day, call, boys. Yeah. Just great. Uh, Julia Roberts. Yeah, yeah no, pretty well, woman. Can't uh, go past it. Mm. Yeah, I took the piss out of you before about your passion for Collingwood. I was going to go back and sort of say Dacos or Renee Kink, but I'll make it more modern and go Dane Swan or Steel, show us your side bottom. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'd have to go with Swanee. Swanee's a character. He could back it up. He could talk a little bit of smack and be a party, but he always backed it up. Fair enough. Oh, I asked you this one before, sort of. Bryce Cotton or Fine Cotton? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I've got a couple of horses, too. I don't mind the old pun, but, yeah, I'll take the favourite with Bryce Cotton without a question. Hopefully we can win another couple of championships with him. Oh, he's a jet. He's a star. Gun, uh, absolute gun. To, uh, he's a beauty. Uh, two little ones to finish. We know the answer already to this one. Uh, Dawn or the podcast with the boys? I mean, you've answered that because you've gone to us first. <laughs> 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 and, and my final one, Trev, in, in one word, describe yourself as a coach. Passion. It. I thought you'd I thought you'd say that. Can- I don't know you, but I've witnessed that and I admire it enormously. 
It's been great to talk to you. Hey, can I just check? You should have said I was a lot, a lot angry when I first started. I've calmed down now. Yeah, no, you've calmed down, all right, <laughs> especially with those beards. Hey, can I just chuck one more in there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Greg Smith or Shane Smith? Oh, yeah, good one. I would say, um, oh, that's a really good one. Greg, because he went from the Seahawks straight to the NBL. Yeah, good call. And, mate, you've got to answer the Tommy Green and the Haber one because they will be tuning into this podcast, so you've got to give me an answer, Trev. Who? Sorry, you're breaking up? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Gary and Kurt. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Hey, Trev, we really appreciate your time, mate. Great to talk uh, and great to get an insight into your life. Uh, not only uh, you know the wonderful basketball career you have on the national stage, and uh, you know it's it's just been wonderful, mate. And uh, we certainly appreciate your time here on uh, Keeping It Real with Chuck Looney and the Big Fella. No worries. I've enjoyed it, boys. Have a great night, and hopefully we'll catch up down the track. Uh, good stuff. Happy anniversary, Trev. To yeah. you and Dawn, have a good night. Say good night, Dawn, mate. Yeah. Good on you, big fella. That is Trevor Budzer Gleeson, of course, from the Perth Wildcats. And, uh, well, Chuck and Ludy, what a beauty. Absolute legend, Stewie. Uh, Great man. Well done. take the boy out of Warnable, I reckon, Ludy. But uh, that was, again, another country boy made good and still at the top of his game. So 52 years of age, and he'll be lining up to try and get six titles. And he sounds pretty enthusiastic uh, with Bryce Cotton and crew on board. Haven't we had some talent out of Warnable? Uh, you know, Ludie, you're going to chime in with me here. But, you know, like there, there wouldn't be too many country towns around Australia that have had sporting exports like we have down here. Jonathan Brown, Mark Leishman, Jordan Lewis, um, you know, Trevor Gleeson. The list goes on, Ludie, doesn't it? Maddie Stewart. Uh, it's... <laughs> <laughs> well... It's, it's unbelievable when you think about it. If we sat down and wrote a list, we might do that for our next episode and see how many names we come up with, Stewie, but it, it'd be pretty large. Oh, and, and I, you know, there's some old footballers too from this region, uh, you know, that uh, just some superstars. The Harris boys? Yeah, of course. Um, so they were Mortlake, weren't they? Uh, the sisters, the sisters, which has gone in between Mortlake and Tarang, uh, Chuck. It's a bit like, uh, uh, I suppose it'd be uh, Mount Eliza would be uh, kind of, uh, is it Mount Martha and uh, what's after Mount Eliza, back towards the city? Mornington. Goes Mount Eliza, Mornington, Mount Martha. Mm, yeah, so that's what that'd be kind of like, you sitting in the middle. Well, I'm going to set you to a challenge for our next show. You need to come up with... Uh, both of you need to come up with the top 10 sportsmen to come out of Warnable. Now, don't buddy throw it around and have a 280,000k radius. I mean, narrow it in a bit. You didn't yeah. mention Wayne Schwoss. Yep. Wayne Schwoss. Leon Cameron. I no. want you to give me your top 10 and not just AFL. With That'd be a nice little list. It's not going to be on everyone's agenda, but a lot of our listeners are country people. So can you get together, you two, and give us your top 10 Warnables? And uh, I'll give you my top uh, top one out of one faggy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only you. The big, the big show. <laughs> the big show. No, we'll do Come it. Come on, Ludie. I left the door open for you there. Oh. Ian Harvey is from one faggy. Oh, Ian Harvey. <laughs> Actually, a few people, yeah, he'd be uh, a good guest. <laughs> and he still didn't make Chuck's list. <laughs> <laughs> but Chuck, we will do that. List. We will do that ourselves, okay? So I'll come up with mine. You come up with yours, Ludie. We won't converge. We'll just uh, keep it uh, to ourselves and we'll Done. bring it Done. I reckon a few now. of our listeners could throw out a few names at us too over social platforms. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. No, great. That'll be a great list. Hey, uh, boys, 
What about the footy? How are we enjoying it? Uh, I, I've, I've t- t- said this for the last couple of episodes. I, I'm not really a big fan at the moment, and I still haven't swung uh, back into it myself. I'm uh, struggling with it, to be honest. Well, I called a couple on the weekend, Ludes, uh, for K-Rock footy, obviously. I did the Geelong game, and their third quarter, the second quarter, third quarter was sensational where they banged on seven goals. The Cats are looking pretty good. And then the next night I rolled up and did... Um, the Hawthorne game, uh, and they were absolutely terrible. They just could not score. And then I tuned in yesterday to Richmond and the Sydney Swans, big fella, and that was like oh, going beautiful. to the dentist, wasn't yeah. it? Shocking, shocking. And what about uh, uh, Hardwick kind of uh, took a bit of a yeah. swipe at uh, the big horse, big Johnny Longmire, and uh, even Bevo's had a bit of a crack at Clarko. So uh, the old uh, coaches, uh, you know, look, they're kind of having a little bit of a dig at each other. It feels like it's open slather. Starting to turn on each other, the coaches, aren't they? Interesting. What's your thoughts on that? I don't mind it. I actually reckon it creates a bit of controversy, creates a bit of uh, combativeness, uh, you know, it creates some rivalries. What are your thoughts, boys? You know, I'm happy with it. That's fine. I just think a lot of them at the moment are coaching, and, and understandably, I mean, and again, obviously from a different sport, but you coach to win. You, you don't coach for the aesthetics of the game. And they will do everything within the rules and how the structure is set up to win the game of footy. But with that, with that, most teams, big fella, are defensive mindset, stop the opposition from scoring. Uh, and then what's really pissing me off is they're chipping the ball sideways, backwards, mm. handball. And they can't and hit a no, target. No forward movement. And then the old Hawthorne, who played that keepings off game, they had unbelievable skills when Hodgie and Jordan Lewis and in that era, Sam Mitchell, etc. Now, they stuff around with it for eight possessions, then they turn it over with a, with a shit kick mm. and it turns over and then they, they flood all the numbers back behind the ball. It, it's, not, it's not good to watch. I don't care what anyone says. As a commentator, it's bloody hard to call because yes. it's just chip, 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 handball, backwards. And it's bloody hard to call that. I've been saying it for a long time. I'd prefer to call a Hamilton League uh, game down here than a game of AFL because it's how football should be played. Free-flowing, playing in positions. And I want to throw this one out to you two boys. I've had this... I've been thinking about this uh, over the last uh, three months. I actually reckon we are a victim now of, say, kind of the late 1990s, early 2000s, where I reckon football clubs just went and started recruiting athletes instead of recruiting football brains, skillful people that mightn't have been as quick, mightn't have been as athletic, but they knew how to find the football and play the game because I reckon all they want now is people that can come in and play roles. And I just reckon that's what's wrong with football. Stewie, couldn't agree more. It's happening cricket as well. And all it comes down to is how fast you run a 2K time trial or how low your skin folds are. No skill factor taken into account whatsoever. Um, so you're not getting the potentially best skilled players on the park. Simple as that. Chuck? Yeah, sports science. And obviously I was coaching Ludie in Adelaide and I said this. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't a joke. I, was I, I thought you were going to use him as subject A. I thought, hang on, we're going to use Ludie here. <laughs> what, yeah, keep going. Sorry, sucks. Uh, what I was going to say is I was always at odds with the sports science team because I felt that sports science has taken over far too much of the game and, and in the sport that Ludie and I obviously know best of cricket. 
and being told how many balls a bowler could bowl at cricket practice. And, you know, I remember one of my first training sessions, one of the, um, he was playing for Australia, but he was a South Australian, tall, skinny bloke, and he bowled 24 balls at training. And he threw the ball to me. He said, I've had enough coaches. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, the, uh, the Daily Monitor Sports Science from the AIS tells me uh, that 24 balls is my workload today. That, that, that is where the player's mindset had got to. And it'd be fair to say I suggested to him that he bowl and bowl some more. Otherwise, he was probably not much use to me in a game of cricket when you needed to bowl more than 24 balls. Uh, sports science has gone mad. It's taken over in all, in all assets. There is good parts about it, but there's a lot of really bad parts. How do we fix I think, it? I think do... the other one. Yeah, you go, Luke. With that, Chuck. Yep. Is, sorry, but like I'm sure you won't mind me bringing it up. He's Mark Cosgrove. Everyone bags him and takes a piss out of him because he's a bit like bit of a larger man. But he is one of the strongest people. Like you get him on the bench press or doing a squat, he does more like bigger weights than anyone. And you look at his stats. He's made twelve thousand over twelve thousand first class runs. He is a very skilled human, and he can put it on the field. And there was times in South Australian cricket where he wasn't getting picked because of his skin folds as opposed to what he was actually going to contribute on the field, which was more than his replacement was going to do. Yeah, I, I, I just reckon that we have gone way, way too far this way. How do we fix it? How does how do we fix it now? Because oh, you can't tell me, and and I don't care. Like you go and have a look at the stats. Like you know, the, the goals kicked. You know, people missing set shots from twenty five meters out because the skill level's not there. They train full time professional now, so there's no excuse for that. So they're obviously hey, not fella. picking the best players or the right players, are they? Big fella, big fella. Yeah. Uh, the two greatest goal kickers. Of, sorry, two of the top three greatest goal kickers of all time that we've watched. Tell me their names. Uh, Tony Lockett and, and Dunstall. And Jason Dunstall. Jason Dunstall couldn't run out of sight on a dark night. They used to do the 2K time trials at Glen Ferry Oval and they reckon he was lapped time after time by the fit blokes. Yeah. And what Jason Dunstall used to do, boys, when, when all the fitness stuff had been done, and he played when it was nowhere near as bad, he would go out on the Glen Ferry Oval, and I've spoken to him about this, and he would have 50 set shots for goal, right? And he'd be filthy if he never got 45 out of 50. And this is how he became a great goal kicker. The sports scientists today don't allow the players after training and they're going to say, oh, that's bullshit. Yes, we do. I've spoken to enough AFL people. They're on restricted kicking loads because it might put a too much ounce yeah. of a stress on the quadricep muscle at the end of practice. Well, you know what? Instead of doing the running... Let, let guys that play in the forward line go and do goal-kicking practice because that's how you win games of football, by kicking it through the big sticks. There's a classic example of how the game has gone mad, and if you can't yeah. run two Ks in two minutes, you don't get a game. The greatest goal-kickers weren't the fittest athletes. No, well, look at Greg Diesel-Williams, if you know what I mean. Like how, would, how would Diesel go running around in the football today? Like He was just smart. He knew where to go. He knew where to find the football. And and we just there's so many people, so many footballers, I reckon, that are just slipping through the cracks uh, that could be playing at that elite level. That's that's just what I reckon. I, I reckon hey, it's a uh, joke. Ludy, I know we're running out of time. You brought up Mark Cosgrove, and you said I'm sure he wouldn't mind us talking about him. I mean... When I was coach, I actually got him back, or didn't get him back. He left Tasmania. We got him back into Adelaide. But I got no doubt that I fought with those things with the sports scientists that we couldn't pick him. And the bloke that was in charge of South Australian cricket, I oh, know you can't pick him. He's not fit enough. Um, 
Big fella, you'll love this story, given that your passion for KFC and Red Rooster <laughs> is high on your agenda. There was a story going around in Adelaide, and we might have to... Why don't we get Mark Cosgrove on as a guest one night yeah, love and it. ask him to confirm this story? They Apparently, they were really on his back about skin folds, big fella, so they said, listen, you just got to cut back on the food and no junk food and all this. So on the way home one night from the Adelaide Oval, he lived out in the northern suburbs out towards um, Gawler, um, he stopped in, I think, at the Red Rooster, and he ordered a chicken, a whole chicken. Uh, someone <laughs> followed him home, and as the story goes, big fella, he was so conscious. What he did, uh, he ripped all the skin off the chicken, because as you know, that's the fattest part. So he ripped all the skin off the chook, right? He, he, he threw the chook in the bin and just ate all the skin. Well, just ate the skin. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> now, I can relate to that because uh, I'm a skin man. I don't eat the meat either, and uh, I get the leg pieces at KFC because the skin just falls off it very, very easily. Um, so I can certainly Hence why relate to big, big Cosy. That is for sure. But yeah, Jimmy, go, I, I read some. I read something interesting today. I don't know if it's a talking point, but I wanted to bring it up because COVID's obviously dragged a fair few people down and. Um, People might be battling in businesses, etc. But Forbes put out their billionaires list, and there's a few different movements in the rankings. And did you know there's 51% of billionaires are actually poorer this year than they were last year? In fact, of all the billionaires, they've lost $700 million since 2019. Wow, that's a lot of money. Quite what, what, what is that just because of the businesses or whatever the ventures they're involved in have been affected so bad because of the COVID? Oh, I assume so. I didn't didn't have any details, but I just thought that's quite an interesting stat across one year. What about uh, the Dramana couple that have taken out eighty million in Powerball? I actually thought of you, Chuck. I thought maybe you were out and about the other day, and uh, mm. you, you brought a little ticket down at Dramana on a little day trip. Uh, how how exciting would that be? Winning eighty million dollars. Well, I was very hopeful, as I told you. I was down in Dean's Marsh last week. And my family dropped me off in Geelong. Uh, I was hoping to catch up with Ludie, but he told me that he had to go and get COVID tested and maybe it wasn't a good time to catch up. So I was a bit lonely in Geelong. And I, I heard the news that one Mornington Peninsula ticket holder had won $80 million. <laughs> And I text, the, I text the Dal, text Mrs B just to say, did you buy a lotto ticket on the weekend? She, she never responded, and I thought, she's, she's won the ticket. She's given me the lemonade and sauce. <laughs> she's taken off. What would you do? What hey, would Chuck, you do? then you'd be a, I was just going to say, Chuck would be able to go buy a Nissan Warrior then. <laughs> you could have four of them sucking and sitting in the driveway. And it'd be the first thing that I'd do, uh, I would go in and buy the biggest and the best Nissan Warrior of Clinton Bowles. But what would you do? What, was it, what would be the first thing you'd do if you won 80 mil? Jeez, I reckon I'd probably buy a small island. Buy a small island, right? Eh? That's yeah, that's boring as batshit. But yes, okay. Saga, <laughs> boring as batshit. <laughs> buy a small island, right? Eh? Philip Island, yep. Um, <laughs> uh, Penguin Island, on Timmy. Uh, I would, uh, I would pay pay my house off immediately. Obviously, I would then invest for my three children a significant amount. I would then book uh, a round-the-world trip with my family and make sure I stopped at all the exotic locations. Uh, Poor investment. Then, sorry? 
Poor investment. You can't travel over the borders at the moment, Dave. <laughs> we can't travel anywhere at the moment. Uh, but uh, we'd have to wait till it lifted, Ludie. But I would love to do that with my family. Just go wherever, uh, whatever. So I, I'd and I didn't just wouldn't throw it away willy nilly. Uh, maybe help a few people out, a few friends that probably needed a little bit of a, a, a you know, a hand out there, or would uh, help a few friends that needed some money as well, and move on nice and happily. Do you know what I'd do? Exactly like I'd, we only wanted one thing there, Sarks, but uh, you gave us a whole uh, years years worth of yeah. what, <laughs> what you would do. But, but I, do you You've know, still got eight. Do, do you know what I would do? I would invite, you know, like really, you know, anyone that's had a significant part in my life, you know, and you could probably, uh, you might narrow it down to, I don't know, 30 two. or 40 <laughs> 30 or forty people, right? <laughs> so, Clay, you two boys would be invited, okay? And I would just, I wouldn't say anything. I'd get everyone to say, listen, we're having a catch-up. I've got a big announcement. Blah, blah, blah. Get everyone there, and then you'd make the announcement. And the, you know what I'd do? I'd walk around to each one of them. I'd say, right, eight. What's your debt? And they might say, oh, 1.5 mil, big fella. I've got a business. Knock it off. And I'll just write them out a check and just keep going around the room. Geez, I reckon that would be a great feeling, wouldn't it? That would be brilliant. Be awesome. And what you could all Are you building up the jealousy you actually want it? I'm mad. I, I wouldn't be here if I wanted you, bugs. So actually, you might still do the podcast just for a bit of, bit of shits and giggles. Just a bit of, you could buy you could buy Trevor Gleeson a whiskey. <laughs> Good. Hey, can I just then, one more? And then what what you could do, big fella, is you could go into Clinton Bolsh, who didn't deliver my warrior last week as promised. I told you, he sold them all, mate. They are all Bolshy. They are all gone. How much do you want for this business? I'll buy it off you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and pay overs. Hey, can I ask you one more question? And this is a question without notice. Um, did you watch the Peter Falconio documentary? I did. No. Right, so Ludy, you can sit this one out. Chuck, I want to ask you a simple, simple question. Yes. Do you think the bloke, uh, Bradley Murdoch, uh, that was put away, do you think he is guilty? You want a short answer? I've got to watch next Sunday night to get the conclusion. But at the halfway stage, halfway stage, I'm on the not guilty verdict. I'm I'm exactly the same with you. I just was blown away by the video interviews of uh, Joanne Lees um, and just her reluctance to talk to the media. Um, yeah, I, I must admit, I changed my whole perception on, uh, on yeah, on my thoughts there. Ludie, you've got to catch so up what, before what, next week. So what's happened? Has she done it, or what's happened then? Oh, no, we don't know. No, nah, Sunday. I, I, I don't think. I definitely don't think she's done it. But there's just more to the story, isn't there, Chuck? I think that uh, it, it was intriguing, and how she'd had an affair in Sydney just before she left. I think there's still a lot more. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to next. Sunday, you never enjoy it when a man loot. Well, we don't know. The body was never found, was it? Can I say, uh, before this documentary, uh, and, and they knew it was coming out, and a good friend of mine has got uh, some relatives that live in Broome, and uh, the word up at Broome has always been that he is not guilty and he didn't do this crime. So uh, it's it's an interesting uh, yeah, little documentary, and, and the, the, the lawyer, uh, is it Andrew Fraser? Um, it's uh, taken the case on. Uh, he's an interesting character in his own right, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see where it, where it ends up. I think. 
all I'll say to finish that little discussion is if he is not guilty, how horrific to serve 16 or 17 years of a life sentence. If you are not guilty and you've been sentenced by a jury incorrectly, when sadly I know of situations that I've witnessed in my life where people have been guilty as sin. And one of them, you know what I'm maybe talking about in relation to a cricket coach of mine, was released not guilty. Uh, I sometimes really worry about our judicial system. Yeah, it's a worry. It's a concern. Ludi, you've got some homework, okay? We want you to do catch-up on 7 Mate or whatever it is uh, before next podcast. How's that sound? I actually hit a hit record button for that one. I did want to watch it, but just was uh, was busy, unfortunately. So I will catch up. Just uh, prepping the house uh, for COVID, uh, just in case you tested Correct. positive, I'd say, for uh, some lockdown in the Geelong area. Ludi, uh, but all good. You come out the other side. Hey, boys, it's been a cracking show as always. Uh, who are we over? Are we over to you next week, Sarks? Well, it's sort of Sarka most weeks, you know. <laughs> five o'clock today, I uh, didn't know whether we had the shark swimmer, the dolphin fisherman, the whale watcher. I mean, we've had so many excuses from you, uh, big fella, as to why you can't deliver. At least Ludie has been a bit crook. But I tell you what, if, you, if you'll let me indulge, what I'm going to do for us next week, yep. I am going to secure a female athlete, because I've been looking at our guests and I thought we've had some greats, some absolute greats, and Trevor Gleeson was a beauty tonight, but it's time to have a female sports superstar. I'm going to go through my little black book and see what I can come up with for next week. I don't know if you're a female sports star that you want to be in Chuck's little black book, Ludie. What do you reckon? (laughs) (laughs) Probably a little bit too many details there, I feel. (laughs) Can no, I say too? No, I, I have it. I have got I have got a very good guest lined up too for Ooh. a couple of weeks' time. Right, eh? Well, your next yeah. week sucks. We're going to go our first female. I love it. Great idea. Great concept. That's what the fans want too. And then that uh, Ludi, big guest after that. And I've got a big one uh, just uh, uh, waiting in the wings. Actually, uh, very big as we speak. So uh, yeah, I look forward to that, big fella. What are you going to deliver for us, Michael Tocker O'Keefe, or? <laughs> Uh, you're going to deliver for us uh, Haber, maybe, <laughs> Haber on, uh, Tommy Green, Greg Smith. I mean, one of these big guns. We can get them on. You've got a good memory. You've got a very good memory. I was actually thinking Joey, like, we need... on the racing we lines, need... horse racing. Oh, okay. Good yeah. call. We haven't had any racing we, yet. We haven't we, had any. We... We, we need our listeners to jump on and give us a review, too. There's not enough reviews on these yeah, platforms good people call. listen to pod, our podcast on. We need a couple of reviews. Great call, mate. Yeah, just get on there and actually tell us what you think. Like we've got, I think we've got all fives, haven't we? I don't think we haven't got under a five, um, which is brilliant in itself. But just actually write something because it'll just pump our podcast up even more. And I noticed too, it's been we've we've had a few stories picked up on News dot com and uh, Fox Cricket and Wisden and all that kind of stuff. It's going well, boys. You know, well, we started out just as something off the whim and, uh, you know, first show, we kicked off with a few hundred listeners. We've moved into the thousands. Uh, so let's hope we keep tracking in the right direction. Most importantly, we're having a bit of fun. And That's I hope it. that our listeners, most of our mates, you get the good feedback, but a bit like our show, we're happy with the good, the bad and the ugly. Just mm. give us the lot. Absolutely, absolutely. It's all thanks to this. <laughs> no more. <laughs> So much so, 
not one warrior left on the lot out there at Clinton Bowls. You've got to go backlog, mate. you just got to order one, but they'll only be a couple of weeks away. How good is that? They are magnificent motor vehicles. And I thought, too, boys, we might go out with a little bit of, well, Dexie's Midnight tonight to see us out. Great to talk to you two, as always. You rest up and enjoy isolation, big fella. And, uh, Ludie, you rest up as well, mate. Thanks, big fella. See you, legends. What's this song, boys? Come on, Eileen. There it is. This one's for you, Chuck. Ready. Ready.